Welcome to the Coconuts Podcast. Today is September 18, 2020. The Coconuts Podcast is your home for top trending news and pop culture from all across Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. I'm Summer Lee, and I'm Vim Shanmugam. Hi, Vim. What's up? Hola. I think we have, we're going to have a great show today. We have like some juicy news. We have a great, great guest.、Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to spill the beans now on who the guest is? I mean, people can read the title, but sure. Drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> It's Subash Nayo. You already know him.、Um, he's a local rapper. Sometimes, and、uh, he says stuff online. <laughs>、uh, a great personality, really fun guy.、Uh, looking forward to chatting with him.、Mm-hmm. Advertise with us. Fast, funny, digital. Join forces with us to slay buzzwords, rise above the noise, and sow the seeds of something great. Get in touch via coconuts.co/grove. And now for our top stories, we start off in Bali, where a teen couple in Lombok has been forced to marry for coming home after dusk. What? Oh no! Yep. So though there have been like tireless efforts to end child marriage in Indonesia, it appears that the country still has a long way to go to reach that ultimate goal. The marriage of a middle schooler to a primary school student in Central Lombok Regency, West Nusa Tenggara, or NTB, last weekend has become the most recent case in point. <gasps> so, yeah. So, 15-year-old S and 12-year-old NH were married off only after four days of dating, allegedly because they violated customary laws after returning home late recently. With late meaning after dusk. So, various clips of their ijab kabul, which means a wedding solemnization ceremony. So, they got married over the weekend. And this was circulated widely this week, according to various reports. S and NH were pressured by parents of the latter, who insisted that the two violated customary laws when S brought NH home at 7:30 p.m. and therefore had to get married. And S's parents reportedly tried to have the whole thing called off, but the marriage proceeded anyway,、uh, reportedly as a traditional ceremony, ceremony and without approval from the religious affairs office, that's the KUA, which legally sanctions marriages in Indonesia. What I know, these are how, baby kids. How is this even a thing? So basically, like it's there.、Uh, this is probably like a more rural area. I'm assuming, like,、uh, because I think the the they say it's part of the law is part of the Sasak people,、um, mm, and、yeah. I think because of that, like it's sort of like tradition and customary for this kind of thing to happen. Or rather, like you can't like be gallivanting past like a certain time. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. When the sun goes down, you go home. Okay, but yeah,、oh、NTB、gosh. has kind of long struggled with child marriage as a problem. Where more than thirty-one percent of girls aged nineteen to twenty-four in the province were married before the age of eighteen, according to the UN. Oh dear, this is a real problem. Yeah, if this was me, I would be like a polygamist. Like I would have like like twelve wives by now, dude. <laughs> dude, well, more more than that. <laughs> These are kids. Oh God. Yeah, I mean. It, it it kind of is mind boggling that in 2020 that we still have、uh, you know like children getting married off, but you know I think in some rural areas, not just in Indonesia, but across Asia and certainly like in Africa and potentially even parts of Europe and and South America and you know who knows maybe even North America, the world, the world,、um, you know this this kind of situation still like exists. Well, I guess from underage. Or child marriage. We're going to something a little bit more extravagant in Bangkok because do you like pageants, Summer? Um, the concept, no. The costumes, I enjoy looking at. If they're weird, that's a plus. And well, you're in luck because Bangkok just had their Miss Grand Thailand pageant.、Um, so screw you, pandemic.、Ooh. We're still gonna have beautiful women and beautiful costumes on stage.、Um, Miss Grand Thailand is a yearly pageant that's held in Bangkok, and different women from different provinces in Thailand come to participate in this. But what's really cool thing about this is that it's oh so grand with dinosaurs, dairy cows, cyborgs all vying for the best provincial costume. I mean, you have to go to the Facebook page for Miss Grand Thailand 2020. You can actually go on there and check out all the 
different outfits and they're crazy there there are velociraptors there are <laughs> i don't even know how to describe some of these like photos there's like old school sort of majestic um queens there are wacky like led light ridden like frozen meats i'm just looking at the photos, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, looking at the photos are... and it's crazy if you talk about like, you know, the color, the vibrancy, the style of like Thai um, dressing, this is the epitome. Like, I mean, every one of these provincial outfits are crazy. They're so cool. They're so cool and funny. Yeah, you can see all these like crazy photos, like um, obviously on Coconuts, but also on Miss Grand Thailand uh, 2020 Facebook page. Um Basically, there are 77 finalists and only 20 will make the next round. And later on, by a popular vote from the audience, they'll be cut down into a select few before the winner is crowned. But every one of these outfits, superb. I don't know about y'all, but I'm voting for Miss Saraburi Milk Cow. Because, oh my <laughs> gosh, she is serving Doja Cat from like the Moo video. Oh my gosh, so good. <laughs> I would want to be buried in that. The cow head that's just above her head. Oof. Yes, I would like to be buried in that. Let the record show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely like pageants, iffy on the concept, but costumes, A. A. Mm -hmm. Always. And yeah, over in Hong Kong, um, still nutty news, um, there's a cardboard cutout of Carrie Lam that has guest starred on Conan O'Brien's talk show. And yeah, you, you do have to see the pictures for this. Cardboard cutout Carrie Lam and Conan O'Brien are not phrases we thought we'd ever see strung into a sentence, but here we are today. Uh, yeah, to make up for a sad, audienceless crowd, US television personality Conan O'Brien's talk show has been calling on viewers to send in pictures of themselves. And yeah, the show's team, according to a Google form, would render the pictures uh, into cardboard cutouts to fill the empty seats of the Los Angeles theater. Thank you, COVID. And yeah, spotted among the audience in Tuesday's episode of the show was none other than Hong Kong Chief Executive Carrie Lam. I like to think that like it was actually Carrie who sent in her own photo. <laughs> yeah, she was like, I gotta hop in on this. Yeah, it's like, who who doesn't love Conan? Come on, come on, so, so lovable. Yeah, so. I would want to send my own cardboard cutout in, to be honest. I hope they're still accepting submissions. But yeah, of course, in this segment, O'Brien picks out the stone-faced cardboard cutout of Lam among a sea of animated expressions. So mocking her stoic demeanor, uh, O'Brien jokes that this is the person I always make eye contact with when I come up to a show. This is the reaction that I'm looking at and wondering why. Why did you even come to the show? Why did you even why do you even enjoy comedy at all? But yeah, <laughs> O'Brien does not appear to recognize Lam, but he perhaps hit the nail on the head when he quips that uh, Lam looks like she's here to pass a death sentence. Oof. <laughs> oh Conan. Um oh, Conan. yeah, Coco for Coco for Carrie. Mm -hmm. Um that's such a funny thing. Yeah, I do love the Conan O'Brien show and you know like um this is just so funny. It's funny that that I wonder like someone told I'm sure people told him after after the fact that like hey that's like Carrie Lam. Oof. That must be a fun <laughs> conversation. Like the just the oh shit look on his face. <laughs> or maybe he's like, eh, I mean, I'm good with it. <laughs> Well, moving from Conan's shenanigans to something not so fun, a makeup brand in Malaysia removes an ad that used the same model for different skin color and races. Malaysian cosmetics brand removed a video that basically promoted its new foundation line by using the same Chinese model um, to represent different races and colors. So basically, she played different races and wore like different outfits to kind of um, represent those races. Seco Cosmetics removed a 39-second video um, on its social media platforms that was actually viewed more than 100,000 times. It drew further criticism because Watsons in Malaysia also ran the same thing. Um, yeah, so after a while, they basically, after like Twitter and social media backlash, they took it down and, and issued an apology, both them and Watsons. Um, yeah. Quite a oh, no. quite an interesting thing. Another another yet another sort of like brown face yep, <laughs> situation. Yeah, it's very it's very epay ad. You know, we have that equivalent <laughs> in Singapore. It's like oh, we share cultures, but I guess we're sharing this too. <laughs> it's funny because yeah, one of the uh, a Twitter user by the name of Roshini M said that it's clear that you don't have any Indian people involved in the video because literally no Indian lady wears a flower garland. 
in the way it was depicted in the video. Basically, like, um, I think they're jasmine flowers. Don't get me. I might be wrong on this. But uh, they're jasmine flowers. Usually, like, you know, they're um, kind of bound to look like kind of a lay. But actually, it's like uh, it's tied around um, women's hair. It's never, like, put around uh, your neck like a lay. So, yeah, dude. So she's wearing video- it like a stethoscope. <laughs> yeah, she's wearing oh, it like, like, you know, like a lay. So I was like, what? what? what is happening right here? So, yeah, I mean... I I I just find it really like um, weird that in in 2020 that people are just so like tone deaf about anything to do with religion and race and um, all these like you know like who who like approved this like someone yeah. some creative creative director or some you know like head like watches and was like yeah that's good that's good let's go with that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you guys are big ass brands and you don't have the, you're trying to tell me that you don't have the money to do like maybe a focus group. And this focus group could be like talking to at least one Indian person and they would be able to tell you that this is wrong. Talk to one Malay person. I don't know. Try that maybe. And yeah, it also speaks about like kind of the problem of, you know, hiring diversely. It's like very obvious that perhaps you guys may not be hiring. That That's probably an indication. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, coming from, um, you know, just a few weeks ago when we were talking about, um, was it Dove that was saying mm-hmm. that, like, they're remo- removing, like, um, things like whitening, brightening from their, like, lingo. Oh, yeah. Oh, fair and lovely, um, yeah. Yeah, fair and, fa- yeah, fair, uh, all this stuff <laughs> that, you know, like, just a couple of weeks later, like, a different, like, cosmetics brand is, like, up to these, like, um, shenanigans. So, yeah, exactly. And like rebranding from fair and lovely to kind of glow and lovely, it kind of doesn't help. You're still selling the damn whitening products. So. <laughs> God. Not cool, man. Not cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just in the same vein of, you know, being disappointed that it's 2020 and shit is still happening. We go over to Singapore where love drowns out hate uh, after a Singapore hotel features a gay couple. So yeah, when a local hotel reached out to a gay couple to use their photo on social media... Andy Chua didn't think too much of it until he saw the flood of comments and reactions on Monday. The hate was expected given Singapore's open antagonism towards the LGBT community. But when the rush of positive comments praising both the couple and the hotel Mm -hmm. began to drown them out, it was very heartwarming, he told Coconut Singapore. And yeah, he said, reading the comments, I'm not surprised about the harsh ones knowing that we still live in a pretty conservative society with 377A still being around. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the 30-year-old model said, referring to Singapore's anti-gay sex law. But yeah, he says that he's pretty touched by the positive ones. And yeah, you know, they've definitely just drowned out all the trolls and stuff. And it's really great to see. So yeah, yeah. A, yeah a photo of his March staycation at W Singapore at Sentosa Cove drew more than 3,000 reactions and over 800 comments on the hotel's Facebook page. And of course, this is mainly because it's so rare for companies in Singapore to overtly acknowledge the LGBT community. Chua said that he was celebrating his partner Hugo Liu's 33rd birthday in the photo. Mm. And kudos to W Singapore for taking this progressive step in posting the picture and having more representation. Yeah. I mean, this was like, it's it's a funny thing because like, I remember seeing this photo and I didn't think twice about it, but then I realized that, oh shit, this is like Singapore. <laughs> you oh know, shit, like... yeah, it's a real photo from a real Singaporean company. Yeah. Okay, yeah, they're an international company and, you know, in their other hotels worldwide, they have also been very kind of uh, vocal about their stance on mm. LGBT issues. Like, yeah. they're here for the representation and now mm-hmm. they're doing it in Singapore and this is just a catalyst for the rest of y'all hotels to start denouncing homophobia i'm just saying that right now yeah 100 i think like this is like such a positive step and you know like uh i remember looking at photos and i was like oh man i want to go on a staycation i didn't even like think twice about you know there was like two men but then i I realized that you know like that visual those visuals are common in the states or the uk Mm -hmm. um but over here like you know obviously it's not as as uh common or in fact like it's not common at all i don't even think i could i could tell you the last time that we saw like a gay couple of, of any sex like um on a magazine or or in like taking being front and center for um a campaign but once again like i think like w sentosa said that like this was like a ugc piece like you know they asked him asked them whether they could share the photo but i'm glad they did i think it was it's a really cute photo to of them like enjoying oh, i'm so jealous like they're in there mm-hmm. like robes chilling with like drinks i wish i could be at the w sentosa 
kind of same. But yeah, obviously, <laughs> like, you know, Miss Jade Russif, social media personality and DJ, mm. um, she uh, she said in Instagram stories that she booked a staycation just because of this. And yeah, she also said that uh, W Hotel was booked out for the next week. So, you know what? Love wins. That's all I'm saying. Love wins. Uh, so, so happy. Yeah, such yeah, a fun, and, like, just fun ending. Yeah, and I just want to point out this stupid-ass comment on the on the original post. This guy said, why don't you show a normal couple? Then it's like, okay, but, you know, it's followed oh, by 40,000 people saying, that is a normal couple, Lamau. <laughs> and they're right. And it's, yeah. also, like, it's also funny because, you know, in the rest of uh, W Singapore's Instagram feed, there are straight couples. So chill out. Go look at those if you don't like this one. And maybe shut up. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, quote-unquote normal. What the heck does that even mean, you know? That is like, a normal couple, my friend. You gotta clean yeah. your eyeballs a little bit. That's just a <laughs> little suggestion. That's free. Oh man, I think we're I think we're like in a in like a little like uh like bubble of like these like controversial stories this week. Because the next story which happened in Singapore as well, and I'm like, oh my gosh, really? Oh. Like in 2020, like in Singapore, after all that has happened. Mm-hmm. So we have clearly failed. Realtors apologize for video deriding Indian Indian culture. No uh, shit. A couple <laughs> a couple working in the real estate industry apologized today for a video of themselves dressed in traditional Indian attire and making a miserable attempt at cultural dance moves in a bid to promote a property to minority group clients. So for people who don't know, um, in Singapore with the HDB, which is our sort of public housing, um, there's a quota system. So you need like, um, I think, I'm not sure of the numbers, but I think you have a majority of like, you know, something like up to 70, 80% being uh, Chinese, then you need like a quota of like minorities living in that um, uh, housing as well. So largely when they do sell that housing, they need to sell that housing to uh, a minority to make up for the quota or, you know, like, I think, I think a majority can sell to a minority, but I think minorities largely need to be able to, uh, can only sell to minorities. So that's what these, these guys were, uh, these two guys were doing. So these two Chinese people, by the way. Oh yes. (laughs) <laughs> These are Chinese oh, real estate re- real estate agents come YouTubers. Jason and Shi uh, Chi, um, they basically were trying to relate to their Ugh. Indian and Malay communities. And they did a short video where they had Bollywood dance moves. They spoke in kind of not great Malay and, and Tamil. Um, and essentially they're trying to get people to go and look at this house in Bukit Merah. Um, obviously it was met with severe backlash by everyone. And, um, you know, they were kind of slammed by everyone and, uh, they had to come out and apologize for everything. So yeah, it's kind of a crazy thing that, you know, this is still happening. The video is terrible. Oh my <laughs> the God. Dance- yep. I was I was most offended by the dance moves. I mean, come on, please. Like, if you want to do a Bollywood dance, like, be good at it because those dances are insane. Like, yeah. that's the first offensive thing. That takes skill, and you guys are wearing like traditional garb, and you're doing this, and oh my gosh, it's just cringy. Like, my eyeballs like physically hurt after that. Oh goodness gracious! Yeah, I understand. Like, you know, agents these days like need to go the next level to try to find ways to. To attract different audiences, but like I this mean, not at it. some point, yeah, this is not the way. Like, who are your friends? Like, who are who? Who's telling you to do this? Who said okay to this? Yeah. And what part of you thought like this was okay? Mm-hmm. Again, talk to one person of the culture that you are claiming to represent is going to be yeah. okay. Just talk to one, one person. One hundred percent. Like, you don't have like an Indian or Malay friend. Like, I, I can guarantee you, one hundred percent, they'll be like, uh, no, dude, don't do this. Mm-hmm. And again. On the same line of embarrassing news, we go to KL and the headline is, let us explain. IT is sorry for the embarrassing Ano Malaysia poster. Wait, let me explain. Streaming platform IT has removed its embarrassing Malaysia Day poster from the internet after its tagline was widely misread as Ano Malaysia instead of Anang Malaysia, which means child of Malaysia. And yeah, you really just got to see this photo because I did not see Anak in the poster when I first saw it either. But yeah, the poster went up on September 9 to promote local shows on its platform in conjunction with the with Malaysia Day on Wednesday. But it was taken down after the choice of typeface drew the wrong kind of attention from hundreds of people who were largely amused by the design flaw. 
The Chinese company has since apologized for the design in a lighthearted statement. They were like, hey, you all, we saw your reactions on the campaign logo and we wanted to confirm that it's Anak Malaysia and nothing else. We're sorry if our logo design created any confusion. Next mm. time, we check at least 50 times a day. We did not intend to offend any parties, it said yesterday. And they also told people not to misread the caption aloud in front of kids. The poster is not is not available anymore from the company's social media pages and website, but it's still being widely shared by others online, including me. And then, of course, um, just from Twitter, the beautiful comments are rolling in. And this one Twitter user said, When you're patriotic, but also gay. <laughs> I love it. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. And other people are yelling, Oh my God, who approved this? Ain't no Malaysia? What? This is like, yeah, I mean, once again, I'm like, who's approving this? Like, who who saw this? And said, yeah, that's okay. Let's go with that. Yeah, and it's like, um, the poster also features uh, a backdrop of Malaysian talents, including actor Tosh Chan as badminton athlete Lee Chong Wei and actor Lukman Hafiz from local movie Ola Bola. So um, sorry about that to them. You know, they're just like featured in this ad <laughs> that will go down the street, honestly. It's so funny. Like now, I can't like I can't unsee it. So I feel Same. like every time I see Anak, like I'll be like, oh, you know, <laughs> That's awful. Yeah, it's man. so awful. Well, to switch gears, uh, our top story of the week. Well, this is a little bit more somber, um, and it actually kind of segues well into our guest later on. But the internet rallies to save a Singaporean drug trafficker from execution. Um, so I'll give you guys the background because there's been some updates as we do this podcast. But um, online petitions to a plea from its rights group, Human Rights Watch, the internet's rallying to save the life of a convicted drug trafficker, Syed Suhail bin Syed Zin, who was due to be hung um, today, September 18th. But that has actually been changed. The court granted actually granted a stay of execution because Syed appealed um, for this situation. Um, basically, um, he was sentenced to death because of bringing in drugs into Singapore. And um, there was enough for them to think that he was going to distribute those. Although uh, I think he said that they're largely for him. And the drug was heroin. And yeah, it became this controversial case where he was immediately like... Um, sentenced to death and uh, a lot of his relatives and family were in Malaysia and couldn't come over because of the lockdown and um, yeah like you know it's one of the situations where he was going to be um, essentially um, executed without meeting his family so mm. um, a lot of human rights groups um, started like writing in and our guest today um, Subhash Nair uh, was a big promoter on on raising awareness on this case, um, starting a change.org uh, petition to uh, help him. So, um, yeah, it's a very controversial case. And for people who don't know, Singapore still practices the uh, capital punishment law here. And, yeah, people who bring in X amount of drugs into the country is a huge offense and can be met with death. Yeah, and I guess like that that kind of parlays us into the next part, which is uh, we're going to be sitting down with uh, Subhash Nair, and he's going to tell us more about this case. We're going to delve a little bit more into the details about what's been happening and about capital punishment and about essentially the systemic issues that we face about crime and how we manage it and and um, what has gone into this situation. And I think it's going to be an exciting, an exciting conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So today our special guest is Subhash Nair, and you might know him as a local rapper and sometimes a social activist. And yeah, as you know, I like to steal from people's Instagram bios. And yeah, according to him, he doesn't write songs. He just writes wrongs. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Welcome, Subash. <laughs> Hi, what's up, Summer? What's up, Vin? Uh, thanks Hi, for having me. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Coconuts Podcast. Thank you. It's an it's an honor, honor to be here. Ooh. Honor for us to have you here. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do have some questions for you. Um, obviously, we have to address kind of the elephant in the room. Um, mm. I guess, as we all know, there is this case with Saya Suhail. Uh, for those who don't know, this man has been convicted of possession for the purpose of trafficking. Um, and he was carrying 38.84 grams of diamorphin and sentenced to a mandatory death penalty on Friday, the 18th of September. Um, yeah, we've just received the update that the High Court has ordered an interim stay of execution of the death sentence of Suhail pending the filing of his appeal papers. Um, so this just means that he actually won't be executed tomorrow. How do you feel about that, Subash? Oh, I, well, that's, I feel a lot about that. I feel like, first of all, like, um, it's ridiculous that in 2020 we have uh, to do this to, I mean, that, that we don't have dialogue on, on uh, anti-death penalty kind of, um, um, we, we, we have, basically, I feel like I'm, there's so much that I'm like, when I think about death penalty in Singapore, it's just uh, like, wow, we're still here, it's 2020. That's like the first overarching kind of feeling. Mm. And then... Mm-hmm is quickly replaced by all right we're here let's let's do this shit let's make sure that this is the last like we don't have to have um like in 20 years this has to change we have to put legs behind the movement that has been already like um that we have had so many people kind of advocating and doing the good work and it's we have to like be in solidarity and uh, organize mobilize people and and uh, this has to end like this one that's nobody should be put to death like um, capital punishment. That's, that's that's no no way. This is state sanctioned murder. So, mm-hmm. um, for the granting of like this, mm-hmm. this execution is like it's it's. I'm sure it's a relief because my thoughts are all with the family, and with the kind yeah. of. I mean, can you imagine the psychological state of someone who is just informed like with less than like ten days? Like, oh, you know, um, you're gonna be put to death, and your family is only gonna be able to see you like four hours a day. Like, you got you can't even begin to imagine how that feels the the psychological stress for 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 the individual so i hope there is some respite for size Ohio and 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 his loved ones um and now we got to keep moving we got to keep mobilizing because um he should not be put to death no yeah mm-hmm. yeah we have to abolish the death penalty so absolutely yeah yeah, I see that you've also started this uh, change.org um, petition. Could you tell us about some of uh, the text that's in the petition? Oh, yeah, for sure. So I think um, my role is just really to get people who already wanted to do something to just come together. And so it's not just me. It's so many uh, people that like random people on Instagram and a few, mm-hmm. few of my friends who I've worked together on some projects came together and just put something together. And um, it's... It, I mean, it's pretty cool. It has about uh, eleven thousand signatories to the to the petition, and I, I mm-hmm. because we we know that people um, want to have their voices heard. People have an opinion. It's just that there isn't enough mechanisms for people to kind of like communicate that in a way that uh, translates to change in this country, you know, and to assert yeah, that yeah. right and, and power uh, within the current system. But um, yeah, within the text, it's really simple. It's just that. We we poured through the the forty page like uh, high court um, document the the the, 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 um, the kind of the the grounds for all the discussion that was the um, that was put out by the high court and on on the case and so I mean the Saez Ohio very clearly is um, someone who is an addict you know someone who. Yeah has been within the system, has been to like the rehab centers and, and, and across time and is someone who has had like increasing dependency. And these are all not, I don't know Saez Ohio, you know what I mean? But these yeah. are there in the documents. And I mean, it's been, it's just someone is an addict. They've been having an increasing dependency on a drug and they are telling the court that this is not for trafficking. This is something that is uh, to feed a dependency like it's personal consumption and it's like you know it's so it's it's so tricky because i mean we live in a this is so unreal i mean it's crazy to me like we live in a country where basically it's better right if the if, if the police run up on you or cnb or whatever if there's a rate for you to poison yourself by consuming all the drugs at the table and hope that a medical professional can bring you back to life or something because then at least it proves the intention that it was for consumption because you put it in your body so you run it's like basically you kill yourself at the point of like rate rate or later they kill you anyway 
because they say this is a too too big amount of like drug that that is this is definitely for trafficking and then you know it, it, it's it's like that so basically you're telling like this is this has happened before to people i know people have been in hospital for a while because they they consume all the drugs that were in the house because they couldn't because they know that this is this is this is too much this is above a certain limit and so they have to you know what i mean so this is like mm-hmm. it's sick so yeah, I think that was a very good point that was brought up yesterday in uh, this Zoom session by Community Classroom SG, uh, in which uh, we were joined by Syed Suhail's sister, Myla, along with Aizin, whose brother, Hisham Rudin bin Mohammed, was executed by the Singapore state in 2018. And yeah, there was um, just this need to prove that, yes, these drugs are for consumption. And if you can't prove that it was for personal consumption, it is automatically assumed that you are selling it and then you'll be charged differently. And yeah, I think that's a real problem. Yeah, and the burden of proof is, I mean, like, I, I, it's, it's just really difficult because also we cannot have this discussion without talking about like, who, like, you know, it's usually like minority men who um, may not have the, the means. It's it's low income minority men. So this is like where class, race, all these things intersect, and yeah, we, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not cut and dry, and that's where it gets so complicated, but. The, the law is almost written to be gray, to be gray to give discretion for those in power to kind of exert the rule, not just in capital punishment, but in so many other, even in uh, the public assembly, like you know, what Jolivan was recently on the new narrative podcast talking about the same thing, you know, mm. it's a social cause, you know, I mean, that's a, totally entirely up to the state to decide. So it's, um, it's really, you just think about the power asymmetry and then you think about uh, disenfranchisement of, of, of certain folk in Singapore and who are the vulnerable and you just do and and then you just have to see how this is it's it's not just it's it's something that's happening right now even with a younger generation of people I work with a group of boys uh who and and who like on a, on a writing program and we've lost boys in the writing program because they've they've had to spend time at DRC so like uh which is the drug rehab center and these are 18 month long sentences you know and so we really this is so much more than uh, just a simple like oh do if you do drugs you do the time like that's which, which is what people <laughs> have some people you see them on instagram and facebook and just saying that and i think that's just so so lazy and so um it's wow that means it's so much it reeks of so much privilege you can live in a bubble where you don't have to but you can actually say that where you don't know somebody uh you're not, <laughs> To who has been on the other side of the law, or you don't know, and like, or if you grew up like not around drugs at all, that's that's a kind of that's a kind of privilege, that's a kind of sheltering in in this country too, because yeah. that's not real. Like, really, like people are out here suffering with with mental health issues, with addiction, which is a mental health issue, mm-hmm. and yeah, and a lack of opportunities. Life chances are not uh, evenly distributed in Singapore. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a psychiatric problem, uh, drug addiction. And um, just in M. Ravi, the lawyer's post, um, he saw the expertise of leading psychiatrist Dr. Ken Ng, uh, who is willing to see Suhail to provide a report. So there are definitely steps we can take. And I guess um, another problem that was pointed out was the transparency in processes as well. Um, As you pointed out, people can afford to be ignorant um, because we don't have the information available to us and like, Reporters, independent media and reporters like Kirsten Han, you know, they've um, consistently followed up on the death penalty in Singapore. And mm-hmm. just in this article as well that she published uh, December 20, 2019 on Popular, she discusses uh, the things we actually don't know about the death penalty in Singapore. And she pointed out the problem, um, the problem of lack of information available to, be, to the public in that um, what was published every year is just the number of executions we have uh, carried out the previous year. And that's the only information we get. So even in cases like botched um, executions and stuff like that, we don't get this information. In America, they can tell you. uh, Yeah, in America, there's this statistic where one in 25 people on the death row, um, they're innocent. So there is this confirmation that people on the death row or people who are sentenced to a death penalty, uh, it's possible that they're innocent, but we're still going to execute them anyway. So yeah, what do you think we can do to kind of improve transparency in processes like these? Wow, in improving. I mean, I feel like for me, it is the like the outcome still is not okay. Like we must be organizing to abolition. So mm. transparency is important. It is we something we must demand as part of a larger kind of judicial process. 
in mm-hmm. um, in all cases, you know. Um, uh, but 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 I think for for the for capital punishment, what we need to do is really we need to be like real talk. We need to be on the streets. That's what needs to happen. We need to mm-hmm. stop. We need to be on the streets. We need to stop going to work. We need to stop participating in these systems that continue to enrich the elite in this country. Like yeah. So that that needs to happen. I mean, um, and there are many ways to to do that. So, but are there are there even safe spaces that we can talk about organizing that we can even begin having a discussion like this without, um, without the state come um, the, the the specter of the state coming down on you? So it's like, it's for me. I think it starts with it always starts with education because then we have the tools to have a to to move beyond just awareness, right? Um, yeah. And and I think we have to also put skin in the game. Like real, really, really, like I fully, I really do expect, um, like we need allyship and solidarity from people who, who have that leeway to do some of this work. Like it cannot be, like you know, it, it cannot be um, someone who is facing the gallows and and their friends and family are the ones who have to be at the forefront of the movement and like have the own or the only people doing that work or only can find like, you know, just. A handful of people in Singapore to 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 kind of like who have dedicated their lives to doing this work to to yeah. find kind of a uh, you know to to to, to mobilize to help uh, It cannot be mm. the case. Yeah. So I think what we need to be doing is really to to be committing ourselves to these justice movements in this country. And uh, it is not like look in the last what twenty four hours, I've never heard of the name sites to hire until like. Maybe 24, 36 hours ago. So I think M. Ravi and his team and, and the research team and everybody have been doing like amazing work. We wouldn't be like here right now buying a little bit more time without them and their work. So just, yeah, this is like thankless work. So we must appreciate and acknowledge. Um, and But I think, look, I've just been behind my computer, just researching, looking mm. around, just doing that. It's not like, you know, you have to go out there and, and even you, you can do this anonymously. So I, my point is like, People just need to care, and yeah, it's not that hard. And yeah, I think that's the biggest issue, right? I think in Singapore we do have this sort of out of sight, out of mind, um, you know, sort of mindset mm-hmm. a lot, you know, all the way. So like, I think if something doesn't directly like um, affect you, or it's not something that you know you really like, well, I sort of know about it, but I'm not gonna like you know put too much effort into sort of finding out more information we just sort of let things slide and i think this is a circumstance that yeah i agree with you 100 in 2020 we're talking about capital punishment that's to me insane like for for a country like singapore you know yeah i mean and i think that's where it becomes that that alienation from these realities of the people around us is is by design in my opinion 100 yeah so I feel like even when we talk about like migrant worker issues or like oh, so many issues in Singapore, it's like it's almost like national delusion a lot of times, and mm. also state controls most of what people uh, consume. Um, but Subash, Subash, you're forgetting. I walked down the street and I did not meet one migrant worker who complained to me. Oh, <laughs> that's right. And then no one also, and no migrant worker demanded an apology, right? So, because mm-hmm. that's definitely how apologies work. Taking notes here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's you know we have just incompetence, lah. It is like mediocrity and incompetence. People in power are just stupid people who just know somebody or or fuck somebody. Like, come on, let's be real. It's nepotism. It's been that way. This is Singapore. Mm-hmm. Singapore Inc. Mm-hmm. So we we know what time it is. I don't have faith in the current system in delivering any sort of change or justice. A lot of this work is processual. A lot of this work is is us normalizing advocacy. It's not that's yeah. why I at the start when you said like um when you asked like how I'd like to be introduced before we started, I don't identify per se with like activists because like, yo, we should all be activists. Are you kidding me? Like, you know, mm-hmm. this is no barrier to entry here. Like, I mean, yes, of course, I've had a the, the privilege of attending a university and all that. But a lot of this is also despite of of that. Because a university is not designed to 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 attack or change status quo. It is yeah. 
Sometimes it's designed to be enveloped within and provide and, and build and, and, and can create corporates that that have shining resumes within the status quo. So, yeah. so how, many, how, many, how many universities are dedicated to doing the work or or have um or have equity and justice as part of like the core tenets of of, of of its foundation? So I think, you know, I mean it's it's all linked, it's all part of the same damn problem. And I think mm-hmm. if we if someone can sit down and say, Oh, I don't think that um addiction or i don't think that um like mental health issues uh because this is primarily first and foremost it is that like this 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 case you know so if, if someone can uh say that and i think they are living in very detached from the reality around them to me okay to me it's unfathomable that someone can um say that you know that they don't see like mental health issues around them and mm-hmm. uh and they don't have to interact with these um with these aspects of like everyday singaporean life so what kind of like life yeah. a, what kind of bubble are you living in to, to say yeah. something because i mean you can't again uh all these issues like it's just about paying attention it's just about like asking questions and it's also about like mm-hmm. looking at the juxtapositions and just be like wait hold on other people building this like getting a chance to participate in in and uh, reaping the benefits of place or uh, are they a part of those communities and uh, are we kind of like just what are we doing to the people who need help the most in this country you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely it's like it's yeah. definitely a privilege to be ignorant like i don't know because when we're all born is our existence not inherently political like you said there's no barrier of entry to participate and yeah like, i can say it because i'm chinese lah, but there is a huge chinese ignorance and just an unwillingness to participate in social issues it's kind of the celebration, you know, when you've heard that, oh, community cases are not rising, but the migrant workers' cases are rising. Okay, fine. I can't see it, so it doesn't matter. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. This is just a general ignorance. It feels like a huge problem to be tackled. Yeah. Yeah, I always found I always found it kind of like interesting that, you know, that was always like the statistic, you know. Like it's like, oh, uh yeah, you know, like we we had like, you know, eight thousand cases, but only one in the community. You're fine. Yay. It's all they're all just it, it, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're all just migrant workers i'm like mm, they're still part of our like country you know yeah dude they're um, in the country do you know this god yeah like i'm pretty sure like no country like no other country is going to be like oh uh yeah no it's okay singapore you guys only have one in the community the rest are migrant workers you're fine you, you guys can come over you know you're fine like you know no one's gonna no one's gonna like you know qualify stuff like that you know like people are people you know like if you're sick mm-hmm. all of us are sick exactly <laughs> And our language has power, and 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 when when we have those, I mean, I've I've talked to my friends about this. It's like when we have terms like circuit breaker, or like when a flooding is called ponding, <laughs> or all these things, or there's community. Yeah. Is this this new like additions to our like national like vocabulary? Yeah. Also, is this like is is it adds to this like Singaporean exceptionalism? I feel where like look, we are different. We don't have like a lockdown. We have a circuit breaker. So you don't compare Singapore to how other countries respond unless it's a shining example, right? Because this is completely different. We're a completely different context. We're a small developing island nation, you know? And then it also like kind of, um, it it allows the media to control a narrative around something when everybody is like using those terms. It's like they get to define what this looks like in this context, and this is completely different, and this is unique, and it's almost like we're fighting a different virus, you know. Mm. So I don't yeah. know. I, we thought that was weird, but I mean, also just one more point that I just thought about back to like Syed's case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just look at how um, we we can't talk about the case without talking about like um, this. Because I always post and I always see like it's it's brown men that I see like that are that are hanging, um, and it's it's like I wrote a song about this two years ago for uh, not for but more like after learning about the case of Prabhakaran Sri Vijayan uh, who was put to death in uh, 2018 if I'm not wrong or, mm. or 2017 2018 it's a Malaysian uh, Indian male, and again the whole time there's no like. He maintained that he was he he didn't know that what drugs in the car he was a complete he was a he was a mule, uh, a quote unquote mule. I don't like, like to call people mules, but then like um, yeah. So it's always been like when I see it, it's always been the people who don't have that that the the tools you know to to kind of like uh, to defend themselves and yeah. 
and and it's also so sick lah to keep seeing that it is people from minority communities who uh, may be who, who who are who are from like difficult backgrounds uh, and who are suffering from 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 addiction lah and and or who who just don't have any like who don't have other 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 options and 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 we cannot say other options and then and then like from from the outside looking in because in their space in that lived experience in their decision making like they had no other option than to do what they what like this make those decisions that they made and that yeah. was the decisions that they made in 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 that whatever hit space whatever capacity that they were in so i feel like we we cannot we should just be focused on rehabilitation we should be focused on making sure that these people um are making the most informed decisions and have pathways if they want to get out of uh addiction to have yeah. pathways that are not just like oh okay like you know how that that minister was meeting the grab driver the the the, the pmd drivers and say oh you want postman job we give you postman job you know not that yes. kind of in pathways but actually chances to to have social mobility to have intergenerational wealth accumulation i mean you you know how much how crazy it is to own a hdb in singapore i don't even own a house with my family in this country it's so expensive and mm-hmm. so like what what real pathways are there that there needs to be certain provisions made for human being to like live life and if people don't have that and have to jump through barriers and loopholes and bureaucracy to just get very basic things in life right yeah They, they, of course they're going to hustle ah of course they're going to mm. be of course they're going to be uh figuring out other ways to to come to terms with a reality that is so different and 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 from 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 anyone else's life and i'm not trying to say i i know uh because mm. never been in a situation where i've been addicted to a to to a substance or, or something like that but i'm just saying that like yo we 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 can empathize and we, yeah. we don't We shouldn't be killing people because people are hurting and people are are trying and because pe- second chances as 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 my friend um, Nafis who who was in who got in trouble for wearing a t-shirt at mm. a man said second chances means not killing them uh and that's that's the best way to put it second chances means doing the work alongside yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah And it's like I don't feel like Singapore is kind of not capable of second chances. I mean, look at you know things like the Yellow Ribbon Project. It's like I don't know. There's an indication that we believe in second chances. So why are we doing this? And I don't know. Countless researchers and experts have pointed out, and in this Kirsten Han article as well, she says that there's no concrete evidence that the death penalty is more effective than any other punishment in deterring crime. Yeah. So yeah, it's just harrowing to read all these things. Like like you said, like none of us knew about Syed before this. And just in the past thirty six hours, all this just came up. How? Yeah, it's sick. And also, think about this: this this fucking country can give a hundred dollars for everyone to go for like to spend on entertainment. Uh, <laughs> right? That's the news, right? Yesterday, like mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's go to USS. Yay! Spend on whatever the hell, like anyway that Tomasek owns anyway. What? But they oh. wouldn't. Put, they wouldn't put any amount of money like this to to like. Look, this keeps saying taxpayers' money, taxpayers' money, but then is that same? Isn't that same also taxpayers' money that's that's that that that, that they're using to kind of revitalize the economy? Mm-hmm. Why rehabilitate yeah. and stop putting capital over people at every turn? This is sick. People keep trying to tell me that I love Singapore to write the song that I love. No, I fucking hate this country. This country is sick, and there needs to be a, there needs to be so much change. And I love the people here, and we do work in the communities here. But the Singapore Inc., the capital S Singapore, I absolutely like. I it's 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 it disgusts me. I'm so sh- embarrassed of this country. I'm ashamed sometimes to call myself Singaporean, because what's so what's there to be proud of? What are we standing up for? You know what mm. I mean? It's yeah, all absolutely. it's it's sick lah. So and even like MPs, like don't forget the right hand man who was recently ousted from Parliament, uh, Amrin Amin. Uh, right hand man to our friend, right? He um he had a campaign that was that was called I think it's Dada itu Haram, which is like a campaign against like drugs as haram, and it was yeah. uh it was targeted against like minority men. Mm. That's <laughs> inherent about the Malay Muslim community in Singapore that kind of there's a proclivity towards like substance abuse. No lah, dude, wake up lah! Like this is something that is yeah. uh. Is really about, um, it's about disenfranchisement. It's about a system that is racist in, mm. in not just in 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 
the job market or the housing market you know it's just living in singapore as a brown person is uh from a setup from the working class is a is is a very different experience and so yeah we, we need to attack those systemic inadequacies and and and, and just work do, do the work towards like equity building lah. and it's very yeah. hard and there's no it's just it's just very hard when there's no transfer intergenerational wealth and all that gets replicated uh is intergenerational trauma yeah. yeah i think the system if the system is broken to you then you know it's broken <laughs> it should be broken for everyone you know i think that's the part that like people kind of miss out because a system is broken when it doesn't help everyone or it doesn't work the same way for everyone you know so I think that is, I mean, and, and that's not, you know, just systemic here. Like, I think the U.S. is a great example of that as well. I think it's just one of those situations where having people like you, having the conversation out in the open, having more young people like yourself in summer talk about these things and, and be passionate about these things. I think these are all steps in the right way. And I think, like, that's the way forward, you know, like, uh, not just, like, posting something on Instagram because everyone else does it for views and likes, but actually being effective with your actions. Yeah, absolutely. There's like so many socioeconomic considerations here that kind of haven't been addressed. And yeah, we definitely want to talk to you about that, Subash. Uh, what do you feel about, you know, using your platform in activism on, I don't know, there was this uh, discourse on like those PowerPoint style um, Instagram posts where they're very aesthetically pleasing and they come with like bite-sized facts. What do you feel about those? Are they key in today's activism or, I don't know, more performative? Like people were calling the Blackout Tuesday campaign? Oh, I see those things as quite separate actually. Okay. Um, but I think, yo, all hands on deck, whatever contribution. So if you're, a, if, you, if you're a graphic designer, please use that platform. If you're in school, write about these issues. Like, I think the university student is actually... I, after you graduate, uh, your 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 power drops quite drastically. So it's like that's the critical. Like you have a lot of power. Go ahead, get in trouble, get your school in trouble. Do what you need to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so write about it. Make projects. Do your do your like senior thesis papers about it. If you're in secondary school, post your like uh, demand demand better from the syllabus. You know what I mean? Question everything. Question our history. Ask the right question. Ask. There's no such thing as the right question ask the damn questions and and so if 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 even if you are if you um if you make t-shirts for 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 puppies on on or and that's your that's your business like get, like you know get some messaging in you know to tell us what you believe i just think that when we have more dialogue more discussion more space for people to express themselves um then then we win a society wins because the truth is i don't have the answers and, and no one person knows for sure like there's no such thing like this is not some kind of like like cult, you know. Yeah. This is us doing the work to to start with compassion, to start with vulnerability, start with empathy, and then figuring it out. And there's so much work that like I have to do as an individual, you know, and and that that I can, but I can't do that alone. And so I in in a, in a in a personal scale, I've had to rely on loved ones and communities and circles around me. But as a and 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 understand that my own healing is is part of community healing no one is going through this alone and we cannot make uh we have to advocate and we have to be there um through like just care and love for the people around us so build friendships and so i think i think in any position so in any whatever job someone might have whatever like um um i guess however they are positioned in in, in society if i can say it, um they are uniquely positioned to make that change within the small communities. And I'm all for system, systems level change, um, but I think that those things aren't mutually exclusive and Singapore is so small. So we have to keep advocating because sometimes it's, it's literally we have three, four degrees away from separation from someone who uh, might, might, you know, might be in a position that they can actually like make change. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think yeah, I just think that like so even someone putting up a, uh, a social media like post and and all that like it's it's great. I do the same, you know. Um, yeah, but the funny thing is like when corporations get involved, because like today I had a I had a a music label and I will not tell say who's which one, but a music <laughs> label up to me to try to like uh, 
to say, hey, you know, do you want to receive a pack, like a, a social media kind of pack for, for this like upcoming release by this international artist? Mm-hmm. And I've been posting all day about like, about abolishing the death penalty and I've been posting all day about this. And, yeah. said, and then I just say, no, 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 I'm good. Like, don't worry about it. I'm okay. I, uh, thank you so much. Oh, it's okay. You can't make the event, but can we send you the, the, the social media package anyway? And then I went off and then I was just like, Yo, like music labels make so much money off of young people like glorifying addiction and abuse. Mm. So be it, right? So be it. Okay, that's what they want to rap about and write, write about. Sure, right? That's your life. That's your art. But what responsibility do, do music labels have when people get caught up on the other side of the law? To and and when you do when you do like business in Singapore, is it just to make money from place and from people and their stories, or do you have an obligation to do more? And where is your stance? So I think we have to hold these corporations, you know, like because they 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 exploit they exploit these narratives, mm. and we we have to. I think we just have to be more conscious about how we what we consume, not just what we makan, but like all these things that we so implicitly accept as normal. Like there's mm. no thing like like as as a as a standard contract. There's no such thing as like a. This is this is how things are. Like we have to figure this out. Like our our country's history is is not just a uh, fifty years, you know. So and all these systems have come in place. Like uh, they are vestiges of colonialism. Then they they are also um like further entrenched by the elite, by those in power to serve their ends. Uh, so we like the 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 history of Singapore is not that that uh is 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 ways it's it's centuries right but then we're talking about uh the at least when we talk about the death penalty like no no, that's not like uh we're we're talking about something that's not like even 100 years old so the context Mm -hmm. i mean at least in the way it's carried out right now so the context of of like comparing to other countries and all that is important uh to understand to know right what has also been done but we also must know that like hey like this is not something <laughs> that is the norm. This is not something that's that's it's just been normalized over a couple of generations. Yeah, you know, like even HDBs and like the, and 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 us like living this way and like the pub the model of public housing. This is like literally we're talking about how many years? Less than fifty years. So like mm. we should and we must be be contextualizing all this within our our own like history and should have these conversations. So today. However, that conversation is 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 uh, represented, whether it's through social media, whether it's through a, a parliamentary debate for for with, with uh, by an opposition member, you know. However, that looks like I think we have to uh, keep the movement open ended, but also hold each other accountable, and and keep and keep growing, and keep learning, and uh, keep just keep talking first because we got to figure this out together, lah. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think we should we should probably wrap wrap it up here. I, I mean, I could talk all day to be honest, like about mm-hmm. this. But uh, what's coming up for you? What you're up to, and and how we can help, and how our uh, listeners can help as well. Oh, for sure. So I mean, like September has been a has been like one of the longest months of my life. There's just been a lot like going on, and so mm. I've um, I've been working on like my second album. It's called Tabula Rasa, which is the album about Eurasia, and um, it's by it's meant to be read tabule rasa as you like cannot feel cannot experience you know so like it's about that and um you know i'm 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 going to try to put physical releases out because i'm done with creating value for like dsps like spotify and apple music they are exploiting our artists record labels steal art and ip and all that so like for me i own my masters i want to like do a digital a uh, 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 physical release i'm trying to like make money to buy a house for my mom and my sister so like I, I got I got that going on but I think like to me like the music is 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 literally like like not 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 my not 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 important to me like what's really important is putting legs I, I like to me the song I wrote about in 2018 about capital punishment I never want to write a song like that again and mm. to never want to at least when I write about capital punishment it has to like I want I write it as like a bookmark moment in my own life. Yeah, I write music. So like, I think the goal is to put legs behind the, the the art or the work, and to to plug myself in and to pivot and do the important work 
in communities on the ground to educate, to learn, to to give, and then the music rights itself. So yeah, I think really the the, the right now I guess I'd say everybody just stay engaged. Like right now there might like with Sai Suhail's case there might have been a a stay of execution, but it, it that's not clemency. And that and and so the it depends on how the appeal goes with with Mravi's team. So right now, um, that we have to keep making noise. This is literally uh, I was speaking to someone and then we appreciate and they, they reminded me of this too. It's it's really just buying time to make even more noise towards abolishing capital punishment in Singapore. So keep just keep gotta keep it up, and we have to engage more people like. Talk to our moms to get that WhatsApp, get that WhatsApp mobile kind of like mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, involved and like, you know, the truth is, I'm not, I'm not some kind of idealist, somehow, but uh, about like, like I know what Singapore is. Singapore beats people into submission. Singapore is a violent state. Um, mm-hmm. All we're trying to do is is chip away as people, and we'll do yeah. that work. And we're not alone in that work, and and we we, we love each other. And support each other through that work and like and i also just want to plug like mutual aid tinyurl.com slash where's mutual aid like get on there like support people in our neighborhoods and then who need help like even just paying their phone bills like a small amount of money to us might be like a life-saving amount of money to people sometimes a startup bill can completely sink someone so so like i would say uh, mutual aid efforts community projects and and just keep like loving our loved ones because we don't have that much time, so like, yeah, just, yeah, just just do that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Awesome. We'd love to talk about you know all this again, but yeah. let's talk like you know in a world where we can talk about capital punishment in past tense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Way belongs in the annals of history. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so, so happy and so glad that you come on the show. Um, I think what you say, what you represent, I think is a, you know, it's a breath of fresh air, um, you know, fighting the good fight. We're all, we're all in it. And I think, uh, you know, there's a whole generation of new people who are getting more aware. Um, it's a slow process, but it's a process nonetheless. And I think, um, you know, staying, staying, staying the course, I think is, is sort of like the important thing here. So um, so happy to have you on, man. Thank you so much. Uh, really, really appreciate the time and uh, all the best. I really hope to look. I, I look forward to us speaking again uh, when yes. you know. And uh, yeah, we can talk anytime. So, so take care and all the best. We'd love to have you back. Awesome. Thanks, dude. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. Take care. Nice talking to you. Bye. Bye. Yay! <gasps> Damn! That was fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that was a very insightful conversation with Subash, and yeah, it definitely you know got me thinking like how much you know we just don't know about the system, and yeah, I think I, I really want to find out more about capital punishment in Singapore. Yeah, what I was saying, like I think he's such a passionate guy, really intelligent, really sort of like um, you know he really knows like what uh, he should represent, and I think. You know, a lot of the things that he said, like, resonated with me. And, mm. you know, I am a brown man in Singapore. So, like, you know, it, it, it definitely is, like, you know, he's raised a lot of, like, interesting points. And But I think the main takeaway is that, like, I would hate for this um, to sort of just, like, disappear. And I think that's the thing in Singapore, I feel. Mm. I feel a lot of things just kind of... After that, like, sort of, like, high point... And, I mean, I guess it's probably not just, like, Singapore as well. I think it's all all countries. Like, ones that... Like sort of there's a high point, there's a peak to a certain story, then it kind of like sort of disappears. Like, I mean, look at like Black Lives Matters. Yes, that that battle is still going on, but it's probably mm. maybe not as loud as it was before. So I think like as long as we have legs to the movement, legs to the cause, um, yeah, I don't I, I really don't agree with capital punishment. I think um I don't think that, you know, I do believe that like, you know, crimes were committed, you know, that's the law, the law's the law. But mm. um, yeah, but I think rehab is and getting people back into um, a socioeconomic level that they can be um, successful in, I think is very important. You know, like I think putting mm. people 
no matter where what your background is where you're from i think that is sort of like the long-term goal like he spoke about it sort of like multi-generational um yeah like the trauma is like intergenerational Mm -hmm. sometimes yeah i don't know there's just really room for compassion it's like saying you know i don't know the the existence the pure existence of death penalty like it kind of implies that there's no better situation in which you know the accused can be alive and that's just not true that like we just got to look at the 106 countries that have uh, abolished you know the death penalty and realize that there is maybe a better solution than all this yeah absolutely 100% i think like um with people like subash like i think we are headed in the right direction there are young people vibrant people smart people um, like yourself as well, who are sort of in the conversation, being passionate about it. And I think that's the way we move forward. Mm, I have faith in our generation. Woohoo! Woo! Well, that's all for this week. Thanks, guys. Woo! Bye! Woohoo! Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support Coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories, you can become a Coco Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership, make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron, or buy a fresh merch at the coconut shop at shop.coconuts.co. We have some beautiful, beautiful coconut shop models. Just have to say, mm-hmm. just have to plug that. Click our banners. They are so cute. What is stopping you? <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews. Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you. The Coconuts Podcast delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting by our journalists on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news and insightful interviews on matters large and small, designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. The Coconuts Podcast is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Bim Shanmugam and Summer Lee. Our executive producer is Byron Perry. Our production manager is Clarissa Cortez. Our editor is Rainer Lynn.